raising the warning line up. Yeah. He wasn't even past it. I heard about that. Oh, did you? He wasn't even beyond the warning line. He had raised I, I, it up. I said, yeah, I Are we back. rolling, Cam? So I go back and... We're good? Oh, we can... I mean, this is really interviews. interesting, this pre-chatter stuff. <laughs> so you can leave some of that in there. Hey, guys, this is Doug, and welcome to What's the Hazard? I'm here with my buddies Ian Poole and Mike Kinnett, and we are the OSHA Insiders, or OSHA Rejects, or whatever you want to <laughs> call us. OSHA Outcasts. OSHA Outcasts. It is uh, Friday, March 4th, a uh, pretty nice day here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about OSHA. This is our podcast about workplace safety and health, about leadership, and about OSHA, about regulatory compliance, issues like that, so welcome, fellas. <laughs> This is just like the Monday morning <laughs> conference call. Sit around the table, wait to take your ass whooping, exactly. and then uh, move exactly. on. So, um, But I know everybody always has questions about OSHA. They find our lives as OSHA people interesting. So give everybody a quick update about, give me the two-minute version of your OSHA. My OSHA career? Yeah. Um, I was a compliance officer in Omaha for 20 years, 20-ish years. Damn. Um, Spent a year in Madison, Wisconsin as an assistant area director and then went down to the Kansas City Regional Office and was the regional audit coordinator. Nice, nice. So what, what does that guy do? Regional audit coordinator? Basically inspects the... You inspect the other OSHA the offices? The other OSHA offices. Cool. Very good. Ian? I was uh, the OSHA nomad. I started out uh, under the Obama years when there was a big push to hire a bunch of new people down in Wichita, Kansas. And then... Okay. Um, in my career, I've had to follow my, my wife around because she's the breadwinner, thankfully. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so then after a five-year stint in Wichita, moved up to Omaha and was compliance officer again for four years and then ended up uh, out on the East Coast for two more years. Half that time, I was assistant area director in Philadelphia, and then I spent just a couple months in the national office in D.C. and. Uh, okay started to grow a little stale so had, had enough of that <laughs> had enough of that so where did when you left where were you philly or dc i was back in philly uh as assistant area okay director. and then your wife actually transferred back here yeah it was time yep to, and it was time to hang up the osha hard okay. hat so so you quit i, I quit. quit you actually retired <laughs> I actually retired yes okay so you're the actual you stuck it out yeah okay i i darted with my tail between my legs at the end of 2013 I think, and when did you cut out, Ian? I had, a, your... I, I, you know, just saw the writing on the wall with OSHA and what they were doing with COVID, and I just said, when when are they going to get back to real safety and doing health safety. enforcement? Yeah, so I, I got you, I man. made a decision to walk at that point. Okay, and that was 2020? 2020, yeah. Okay, cool. Very good. Um, interesting. So most of us spent time in Region 7. I spent my entire career career in Region Seven. You you made it to Region Five, and five. you were in Region Three. three. It was Philly yep. Region Three, and yep. then the National Office is just kind of a region unto itself. It's a I suppose. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I just want to you know I think people find that world interesting. Safety and health professionals that have not done any time in OSHA always find it mysterious and interesting, and you know for some reason. That's and true. Um, I would like my question. My first question for you is. Tell me about your first week with the agency. What was that like? Do you remember? Yeah, it was much different than what I was used to prior to it because I was in safety in the Air Force. Right. And that was a whole different world. Um, 
it was what I call true safety. Um, they worried about hazards and, you know, identifying hazards and rectifying those problems. Whereas I started my career with OSHA and I quickly realized that there's a whole legal side of the, the animal there. And my first week pretty much was, here's your desk, sit here. And then the next thing I know, this is before the internet was a big thing. And we're that old tons of books <laughs> stacks of books and i was told you need to read these and have them done have them read by next wednesday mm -hmm. and we're talking you know hundreds and hundreds of well things. the cfrs and all that shit. exactly and then you're supposed to comprehend all of that stuff too so that first week was just a whirlwind you know coming in and then you know obviously the characters in the office and everything that goes on in an office who, who was in the office when you showed up i, uh, I was there i remember when you when showed we up walked down there there was martha and cheryl there was Ben, Benita, and Bernie. The management team. The management team. And then there was Seth, Schneider. Gaines? Was Gaines there Gaines, when you got there? I was Gaines' replacement. Oh, you replaced Gaines. Then there was... Darwin, of course. You, Daniel Rake, Darwin, and Joan. Okay. And Chester. And Chester. Frank was gone by then? Frank was gone by then. Seth was gone or Seth was Seth still was there? still there. Okay. And what did the office look like in Omaha when you were there, man? Because I left at the end of 2013, and you came in after I was gone. Yeah, I came in in spring of 14, or okay. fall, fall of 14, towards okay. the summer. So literally maybe nine months after I'd Something left. Something like that. Okay. You were still spoken of quite a bit in the and, office. But you were an IH, so you probably <laughs> replaced me, essentially, or whatever, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was... Doug, you could never be replaced. <laughs> I was replaced. I, I, had, I had an I, uh, IH background. I actually started in Wichita as a, as a safety. Oh, did you? Okay. But, um, you know, I was sort of the, the universal co-show because <laughs> they, they transferred me over to industrial hygiene and said, well, you know, you've already been in safety for five years, kind of like they did with, with Nick as well. So Burmeister, just, same thing. So, so, so they just... Safety. So they just said, uh, well, you can do any inspection. So I, I got stuck doing a lot of safety stuff and, and IH stuff. He was our Swiss Army knife. There mm -hmm. you go. Good. You go. Cool. But, oh, when I first got into Omaha. Um, Who was still there? Was Mikey there? Were you guys? You guys oh, yeah, worked together? Was, okay. Was, I sat back in our little pod. I, I took Stevie's old uh, old cubicle. Oh, gotcha. And okay. I was right across from... From Scott. Scott Jacobson. And yeah. shared a cubicle wall with Mike. Yep. And then Caddy Corner from Thurlby back when he was still right. lowly 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then yeah. on the other side, we used to always get a... Phil had two cubicles because he had so much crap everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, yeah. and uh, Renita would always come back and start yelling at Phil to... Get all this crap out of the empty cubicle. Yeah, remarkable <laughs> that he could actually function because he, whenever he had to put together case files, he'd move all of his stuff over to the, the, the empty cubicle, cubicle and start. <laughs> and then he'd get like halfway done on something and just like leave, and there'd be like case files scattered all over the open cube. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then what Nick, do you remember Nick about and Brian and Alberto oh, were yeah, on the other side, and <laughs> we still had Ricky. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you had that was an interesting uh, group of folks. It was interesting group of folks. Some uh, of those I, folks were I, there when I left. I tell you, when when I when I left Wichita, there there was well, I don't know. There 
They were going through some changes. Let's just put it that way. Judy was the boss. Oh yeah, Judy was was still the boss as she, as she had a four year career with the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of a at first it was kind of a, a a breath of fresh air, you know, just because I came on board to a staff that generally liked each other and got along well. But um, I had to adjust to Benita's management style. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. It was different. I mean, she had a very distinct management style. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she was my boss for a number of years. and um, She'd always tell you what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Whether you were, I, I wouldn't say, she had a way of emphasizing what you're doing mm-hmm. wrong. Highlighting, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Th- things that might have seemed somewhat minor to you could get blown up really quickly. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that mm-hmm. way. <laughs> I remember, man. I remember like, it. I mean, I and, still have and, scars. And, all, and yeah. all, all you could do is say, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I'll try to do better. I'll try to do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you remember your first uh, solo inspection? You know, because the the uh, typical approach would be to arrive in the office, read for a few weeks until you got your credentials. You had to have credentials before you could actually go out onto a site, mm-hmm. even a company and other compliance officers. Yeah. So you read and you waited and you listened and you, you know. Did duty officer. You did some duty officer or accompanied the duty officer and listened to the phone calls and things like that. And then once you got credentials, you would start to accompany a senior compliance officer and you would go out there and watch them and carry their bags and you know, maybe write up their case files at some point. That was part of the progression. You'd go to some classes at the OSHA Training Institute. And then eventually, depending on the workload, typically not your readiness, but depending on the workload, they would cut you loose and say, hey, go do this inspection. Do you remember your first inspection or what? anything about the feelings? May not, maybe not the place, but what that was like? My first inspection was a roofing inspection, imagine that. Um, and yeah. it was... It was one of those, having been in the Air Force, there's not a lot of construction goes on in the Air Force as far as safety goes. Um, Most of it's general industry type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be put into a construction environment was kind of foreign for me. And I'm like, you know, kind of timid already about it because you're new. You don't know what you're really what your parameters are. Um, So, yeah, you know, I asked the guy to come down. He Thank God he was nice enough to come down instead of telling me to F off or whatever. He was up on the roof? Yeah. Um, and then you try to explain to him who you are, and, of course, I'm stuttering and stammering, and, you know, uh, he was actually a pretty nice guy. The for My first inspection wasn't that bad. It wasn't until about five or six inspections that I caught somebody that really, you know, gave me gave me the business about uh-huh. it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, the first one wasn't that bad, but... Um, it still was somewhat traumatic in the fact that it was the first one, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I had built it up into this internally into this big, you know, it's going to be, oh, and it right. really wasn't. It was just, right. you know, here you go. And the guy was like, okay, he was not happy about the fact that he's getting cited, but, right. but yeah. So then coming back, the more trauma from that was the case file write up and the review process and the re-review process. Who was your team leader at the time? Was that Bernie? No, no. Oh, Bonita? You were assigned to (laughs) Bonita? Bonita. My very first day, I walk in and ring the doorbell, and Ben comes up. And he's like, okay, how you doing, Mike? You know, I'd like to introduce you to the staff, and he introduced me to Cheryl and Martha. And then he we start down the hallway. Oh, yeah. At 72nd. Um, start down the hallway, and, you know, this is Bernie. He's a team leader here, and I'd like to introduce you to your supervisor, 
Benito Winningham, <laughs> which was okay, but the problem was I had worked with the Safety and Health Council prior to that, and I had worked with an individual, Dan Corcoran. Oh, Corcoran, sure. Who kind of gave me the skinny on who and what and where <laughs> right? to go on. And the one right. thing that he said, there's two, two, area, or two assistant area directors. There's Bernie Haber and Benito Winningham, and you want Bernie Haber. <laughs> and I'm like, why? He goes, you'll figure it out. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So of course I get there and and he's like <laughs> he's like, There's your supervisor Benita winning. I'm like, Oh God, you know. So um it went from there. Yeah. Say, yeah so man. I mean we, we all experienced that. Bernie and Bonita were the team leaders when I arrived, a little bit before you, and I was assigned to Bonita as well. And mm-hmm. I will say that I learned uh, impeccable case file documentation technique. It is. I'll tell you what. You I, know, I, you know, being a young buck, I was in my thirties at the time. But in, you know, being a new compliance officer, I really, I didn't appreciate what she was doing at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. By the end of my career, I understood what it was, and I and I found myself I, as an assistantary director. I found myself being Benita. Mm-hmm. And um, to some degree, yeah, to some degree. And um, I remember calling her up and saying, "You know, you're going to laugh at this, but I just did this, and, and it was basically mm-hmm. a case file review the way she did it." Right. And um, she just, you know, laughed and said, "I told you, I told you." Yeah. So, but you yeah. Know. Do you remember your first first inspection? Yeah. Dabbling was, out into the it, enforcement it was, world. It was a, similar to. Mike, you know, by this point, I've been on for like, it seems like forever, but I, I think it had been about six months, mm-hmm. you know. That, that first, seems like forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I started in like basically at the beginning of September that year. And then it was, I think finally, I want to say April by the time I could go mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. on my own because, you know, like I said, you got to go to the training institute take all these classes and that particular year it's like oh well guess what all your your all your two week and your other one week class are all scheduled during winter in chicago so Mm -hmm. i gotta spend five to six weeks of my of that winter in chicago going back and forth on a bus from the residence in oh no i drove out there oh did you oh shit man so i so i'm not gonna be without a car and Rolling Meadows or wherever. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I think, you know, they when when you're new, they, they're always kind of like hammering in, you know, sort of the the fear of what can go wrong, you know. It's like, like Mike kind of tailed back on what Mike said, you know, you're, you're, OSHA's got a different way of doing safety, and it's the legal way of doing safety, so... You, know, you go to all these courses and you hear all these bad things can happen if you get deposed and drawn up because you put together some bad case file mm-hmm. and just, you know, the exposure for the agency would be bad. It's all doom and gloom, you know? Right. Yeah. So by the time you go out there and do your first inspection, again, it was just... Uh, You're so bunched up. These two, these two Mexicans or Guatemalans or somebody that just, you know, was on the street literally looking for a job... Right. Up on a roof, not knowing what's going on, and here I am, just this nervous as I'll get out, and I don't know why. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but you stumble through the first three for the mm-hmm. first few, and then you know you kind of learn your way. You learn the 
the savviness of being a compliance officer. The, I don't. I'm going to be honest, man. I was really anxious, and I'm I'm kind of a an anxious per- person anyway. That's my nature. But I remember, you know, I accompanied uh, Joan and Seth primarily. They were the IHs when I arrived mm-hmm. in the office, and I was an IH. And I'd been doing IH work for about. 10 years already. I knew how to do IH work. I just didn't know the legal aspects of doing an ocean inspection. And, you know, Seth and Joan, both great. You know, Joan is a sweetheart, of course, and she was really kind and, you know, um, empathetic. And Seth was always kind of a a dick on purpose, (laughs) but not really. Always just, you know, trying to keep me in line. And Seth was only really a dick to us, though. Yeah, I mean, to the the employers. Oh no, he was he always was, a good was guy. Always, a good, always guy. a good guy, and yeah. he, you know, so I had I was fortunate, and then I'd go out with Darwin or Matt Gaines or Frank Winningham or Chester, one of the safeties, and and learn a little bit about the safety stuff. But it made me nervous when they cut me loose. My first inspection was Dieter Foundry. Oh, I, yeah, I <laughs> went been there. there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was a ductile iron foundry yep. down in Lincoln. Yep. It was family owned at the time. And that guy, uh, Doug Dieter was his name, actually, the owner, the guy operating it for the family at that point. Um, he didn't really love the government, didn't love <laughs> regulatory <laughs> compliance from any agency, frankly. I think he was in trouble which, oftentimes which with everybody. kind of funny because his number one client was, you know, all these municipalities yeah. and governments all over the place. Yeah, they made manhole, manhole covers, yeah. man, and like storm grades for sewers. But he just, and man, when I showed up down there, they fucked with me the whole time. I think he was toying with me as a new compliance officer. And that did not set things off well for me. I mean, they even had employees that would refuse to talk to me when I would ask them to do interviews and stuff. I mean, it was really unsettling. And I spent, I got to be honest, I spent the first year nervous whenever I'd go start an inspection because you never knew what you were going to get. If they're going to be, oh, okay, you know, they would just acquiesce or they're just going to explode or what the hell they were going to do. Your first year, you're you're almost, the employer almost dictates how your inspection goes, you know, and then as you get longer in the tooth and older and more experienced, it's like you realize who you are and what, what type of power you do wield. And at that point, it's like, no, this is where it's going to happen. And you dicta- you're you right. dictating at that point mm-hmm. how it goes, when you're going to show up, when, you know, what's going to be done, how, how the inspection's going to go. And, you know, I always ran my inspections. I'll treat you the way you treat me. You know, you're going to be a nice guy. I'm going to be a nice guy. You're going to be a dick. I'm going to be a dick. You know, I just mm-hmm. happen to be a dick with the government backing mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I was so going to win. In the ultimately. end, ultimately, like you said, I'm going to win. So, right. you know, you have your hissy fit. You do whatever you want to do. You know, throw your tantrum. In the end, it's going to be my way. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, that So from an employer standpoint, what do you recommend how do you recommend they approach the inspection? In my experience, there is uh, a great deal of subjectivity to this inspection. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're all reading the same CFR. Everybody interprets it somewhat differently. And each compliance officer, as you described, might kind of sets the tone for the inspection, oftentimes based on that initial Reaction. impression they get of the employer. So, what, I mean, what, what's your would, take on that, Ian? I would say, you know, Number one, don't be argumentative, you know. I mean, unless the compliance officer just flat out insulting you about something. Mm-hmm. But but there's really no point being argumentative. It's just 
going to leave the wrong impression. It's but a, it's a business interaction. Yeah, is what it is. So it is. you know, don't. I mean, and, and, and in the end, you're exactly right because at the end of the day, what, what does it all come down to with OSHA enforcement? It's dollars and cents. OSHA's trying to get as many inspections done as they can so they can get funding for the agency. And then, I mean, despite the fact that all the money they bring in from citations doesn't directly fund OSHA, but OSHA's got to prove they're worth to Congress mm-hmm. to, to, you know, get the funding. And then employers looking at it from a dollar and cents standpoint of what's this going to cost or mm-hmm. maybe some situations, maybe they should be looking at, okay, at the end of the bat, at the end of the day, is this going to leave a really sour taste in my mouth or can I look at this as, well, yeah, we got pop this time, but I'm, I'm investing in safety now with, mm-hmm. with my company. But um, I'd say though, not everybody's right all the time. Um, sometimes OSHA's wrong, um, but be cordial about it. You know, oftentimes the biggest thing that a uh, employer can do be truthful but you know there could be cases where a compliance officer wants to cite something but they really don't have the documentation there and sometimes they're grasping at straws for it and that's might be your your chance to buck up a little bit and say you know like look we just i i know that you're pointing out this hazard that there's a, a standard that applies to it but we've just never been aware that this was even in our facility or, um, you know, I've never had an employee go over there or. Uh, that employer knowledge piece. Yeah, that- really. I mean, employer knowledge and employee exposure. And that's where, as an assistant area director, I'd see it all the time. Compliance officer wants to cite this. You go through the case file. I don't have any measurements. I don't have good photos. Like, yeah, you got a photo of a piece of equipment, but where where is the employee exposed to, mm-hmm. to this? Um What's the hazard, as we say in the business? Right, exactly. (laughs) Right. If there's no exposure, what's the hazard? So, um, and just going through and you have a one-page scratch piece of paper for an employer interview, and I don't see anything where that employer talks about employees exposed to this Mm -hmm. hazard. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? So that's really where I think an employer can stand their ground on are those those points. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because, so... Uh, uniquely, all of us were compliance officers, and all of us had an opportunity to be the assistant director. And the assistant director is the person that's kind of managing the compliance officers, reviewing case files, doing the informal conferences, and it gives you an opportunity. And everybody should have to be an assistant area director so that you can see why that documentation in the case file is so important. I, I didn't understand Benita's guidance until I became an assistant area director. Completely. Mm-hmm. I got it as, you know, the longer you get get smacked with, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Eventually, you're like, okay, I need to do this. But until, <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> until you actually have to review somebody else's work and see that they're not, like you said, missing measurements, no photos, you know, whatever. The no case exposure. Be, no exposure. No uh, employees saying, yes, I worked here for mm-hmm. this, you know, it, until you actually live that and, and review somebody else's cases, that's, you know, you, you really, like you said, everybody should have to be mm-hmm. that. You really should. It, it gives you a perspective on that. So getting back to that question, did the way the employer reacted to you affect how you conducted the inspection, honestly? I mean, if they gave you a raft of shit right in the door, did you give them the full benefit of all your training or... 
If they well, were professional, you give I, them at least the benefit of the doubt, I, or how did that work? I don't know if I'd say, I mean, you're not just going to walk, you know, if an employer's treating you nicely, you're not just going to walk past blatant safety violations. Right. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side of that, if the employer is treating you like shit, you're not just going to make stuff up because <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. could get you in, in a trouble. lot of legal trouble. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I would say that. So if know, it's there, it's there one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, but I would, I would say that if, if you have a cooperative employer and you know, the, the, the co-show is probably more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt with the information that they're being given mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Versus if you have somebody that's uncooperative and, you know, you're you're going to do a little more verification on, on the things that they're telling you. You know, you're, right. you're going you're gonna to do more management interviews than right. maybe right. you would someplace right. else. That's you're going to talk to more employees. And then, right. and then I, I was always guilty of this. I'd be like, oh, you know, I'd, it's like, how long do you need to talk to this employee? I was like, man, about 15 minutes. You know, and depending on the employer... Um, about thirty minutes later, be knocking on. I'm just seeing where. No, we're not done yet. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and I would. Yeah. I had interviews where I talked to employees. I drag out for over an hour. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, it's and and that's all kind of. How hard is this employer going to make me work to get the information? Because there are ways that you can make it hard for the employer, like you said, tying up an employee in an interview yeah. for longer than mm-hmm. what really necessary. And the employees never mind. I said, here, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's yeah. hot out there. You got this nice air conditioned yeah. office and this comfortable chair. Get got a bottle of water. Get comfortable. We're gonna chat yeah. for a while. Tell my, me about your my, work. Yeah. My, my willingness to perform compliance assistance was greater for the employers that were. That's true. Nicer, right? Um, when what do you mean by compliance assistance? You know, letting them know. Okay, there's a broken faceplate here, and mm-hmm. you know, a crack faceplate. Mm-hmm. Nothing major, but right. you know, if you go ahead and forget this face, yeah, yeah, you know, this cord looks pretty um, bad, man. Can you get rid of this cord? Exactly. Kind of stuff. You know, things that they can fix immediately that you don't necessarily. It really. There is a little bit of latitude. A little bit. You know, I never went way overboard. I saw some people. I'll remain nameless. That um, really, I questioned. Walked by stuff right. they probably shouldn't have. Right. So I, uh, I, I never, I could never do that because, like, even yeah. when I was pointing things out, I couldn't just point it out and walk by and say, "Okay, this is going to be cited." I always felt the need to provide some sort of knowledge behind it, mm-hmm. why it was, why it was a problem, you know, or how to fix it, or you know. And I, and I think what you're bringing up, and I this would happen a lot with me too. You're you're seeing conditions of things, but not necessarily, you don't have all the prima facie elements of a citation right there in front right. of your face. So I might mention something, hey, you know, I, I noticed this bad court over here. I don't see it in use right now. Um, here's here's the deal, you know, like, I'm just going to walk on by this, but just so you know, these are the requirements. But if I continue to see more and more of this stuff as we're mm-hmm. walking around, I may have to address it with mm-hmm. citation. Right. I, I would yeah. take that approach with Instances. I, yeah. You know, it was kind of like the uh, Matt Gaines, actually, who's a buddy of mine still down in the – I think he runs the VPP for mm-hmm. the regional office, Region 70. He's been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. We would go into a plant, and he would always check, like, the uh, compressed air. Yeah. We had those little. Remember, we had those little gauges. Yep. Those little, I, I think I still have one of those for some reason or may another. Have not made it back into the inventory, but it got, it you got could lost. check to see if it was reduced down to the thirty psi. If it actually had the ports that would allow it to reduce the mm-hmm. pressure, that static pressure. And Gaines would check one, and it would be wrong. 
and he might not cite that, but if it was like systemic through the entire plant, if there were dozens of them or two, for Mm -hmm. that matter, he would probably cite it. He wasn't always, you know, citing the the onesies, the one instance things. So sometimes you would give him the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. for that. But I do I do know compliance officers that if you cornered them or if you were really aggressive with them. They'd unload on you, man. Mm. And uh, we have a buddy that still works for the agency. Exceptionally bright, talented compliance officer. Um, and very friendly. And if you treat him with that level of respect, you're probably going to get well-treated, frankly. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to walk by shit, but he's going to treat you with some respect. But, man, if you start questioning him or pushing him, he's going to rip you a new asshole, man. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just, you know, he's not very tolerant of disrespect nor should anyone be frankly so mm-hmm. i do think there is some sub- subjectivity to it and people need to appreciate that i can remember giving a presentation at the safety council one time when i first started the compliance assistance specialist gig and i said something to that effect i said just treat the compliance officer professionally and they will return in kind and Ben, the area director at the time, happened to be sitting in on this presentation. I was pretty early in my career, so he was checking up on me. And when we got bit back to the office, he read me the riot act and said, it doesn't matter how they treat the compliance officer, they're going to get the same inspection. <laughs> and I was like, you can't honestly believe that. Well, he did. But do you think he did? You know, so anyway. Um, did you ever get denied entry? Many times. <laughs> did, did you Many talk times. about talk about denial of entry? What is it? First of all, well, first of all, it's it's the employer's legal right to deny you entry to, to the, into facility. the facility or onto the site. The facility, right? Um, you know, a lot of people think that OSHA can just come kick in doors and say, "I'm here, ha ha ha," and do their whatever yeah. they're going to do. And in reality, the employer does have a retort to that. They they can say, you know, no, we don't want you mm-hmm. in our facility right now for whatever reason. It's a Fourth Amendment deal, exactly. right, ultimately. Ultimately. Um, so, I mean, that's basically what denial of entry is. Now, there's a lot of other things I've had people say that are, some of the folks in OSHA come out and say that, you know, if you don't provide documentation through – uh, the the warrant requests or the subpoenas that that's also considered to be denial of entry. Um, you know, if you don't allow me access to the employees to talk to them, that's denial of entry. I don't. I'm not a lead lawyer, so I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's their right to say no. We don't want to mm-hmm. have this inspection today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've run into people that have had denials denials of entry for a myriad of different reasons. You know. They don't want you there just because they don't want you there, or maybe their 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 president, the guy that's going to be conducting the inspection, is in you know the Bahamas or wherever, and they just they can't be there, mm-hmm. and they don't feel comfortable having you come in without mm-hmm. him being there. So, um, was it ever just mean spirited where they just tell you to piss off? And did you ever have any of those? Oh yeah, I've been told get the fuck out of here many times. Mm-hmm. You know, well, at least. Four times, which is by remember. definition a denial of entry. Exactly, um, you know, and I would always ask the question. You know, let me be clear: Are you denying me yes. access to this facility? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I am. I told you to get the fuck out of here, goddamn. You right, know, so right. you're like, okay, um, 
you know, it, it is what it is. The first time I got denied entry, you and I were talking about this earlier, I almost cried because <laughs> I was in the Air Force and there was no denial of entry. Right, I was going to do it. I worked for the wing commander and the wing commander allowed access yeah. everywhere. If I wanted to go there, I went there. Right. I come into OSHA and I go walking up to the site and the guy's like, get the hell out of here. What? You, you, no, I, I'm supposed to be here. No, 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 you're not. Get the hell right. out of here. Yeah. So I, it, going back, I didn't, I, you know, I had to call back to the office and, oh, they, they told do? me to go away, go away, what do I do, you know? And, and um, so, yeah, it was one of those things that you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what's this? And then by the end of my career, it was like I was sometimes advising them to deny me. <laughs> right, exactly. Because yeah. it was not a situation that was going to be good for them in any way, shape, or form. Right. Or it was Friday afternoon and you were out west and you wanted to get home. Exactly. As Burmeister taught me. What about you, man? You get denied? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's been a handful of times. Um, I don't think it's as common now there, as it used to be, well, frankly. I don't some, know. There. There's a few construction companies by us down in Kansas that it, every single time, no, you can't come on site. And, you know, why? And because sometimes it was like, look, I'm just here to do a Dodge inspection. Like, I don't have a complaint. I don't mm-hmm. see any exposure mm-hmm. or anything while I was driving by the, the roadway. This, it's like. You just came like, up on the list. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's our company policy. And, and then you kind of laugh a bit because. There was one particular company that it was another construction site, and they're working in plain view on a public roadway. I mean, it's like I've already got the photos. I've got total access to everything. <laughs> I mean, I need I've already see. got. You, so you can deny me, but I'm just going to subpoena you, and you're going to have to drag everybody in to talk mm-hmm. to us. Right. Know? The other thing so is, it does. Yeah. But, but there was one particular safety consultant um, who I'm not going to mention by name in in the Omaha area. I'm not going to mention by name, <laughs> okay. but, uh, you know, Monty, no, Doug, no, Kevin, no, I'm not, not Michael Downey. I'm not going to mention my name, <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he just, uh, it came down to, I think an ego battle and just yeah. more than once did I told his client not to let us come on site and, um, well, his former clients are sitting in prison right now mm-hmm. because of their actions. Yeah, it, it wasn't just yeah. the denial, but it was the what happened after the initial denial and right. the covering things up. So that that's the path you don't want to go on. Yes, right. you can deny OSHA, so, ask them to come back with a warrant, but no, you, once they come back with that warrant, you can't cover stuff up. Right. So that's a great question. I mean, you guys are both consultants now, Mike. You've got your own business, mm-hmm. Ian. You got your own business. Are there situations where you would recommend that your client deny entry? Are there circumstances that might warrant a denial? Yeah, I, like you said before, I think if it's a situation where critical management people aren't there that need to be there. And, you know, I know OSHA's every time when you're a compliance officer, I think you go back to the FOM even, the Field Operations Manual. Mm-hmm. don't want to throw around yeah, a bunch yeah. of acronyms that <laughs> right. nobody knows about. Um, but... You know, they talk about, well, you know, a reasonable amount of time for a compliance officer to wait to get in the door is approximately one hour. Mm-hmm. There are just times that that's just not possible. And I'm like, yes, companies should have, you know, somebody there that can be in charge when when key management people aren't there. But there's just situations it's where they, they don't they don't 
the person that's in charge is can keep you know the the lights on and keep things going for a, a set period of like a week or two, but they don't know all the intricacies mm-hmm. about what's going on to yeah. when it comes what, to safety. Right. What my yeah. suggestion so, is. Go yeah, ahead. Go, just finish that thought because I think you're going to add on to that. Oh yeah. Um. Basically, for me, I would suggest that they have somebody there as a point of contact instead of denying entry allowing the compliance officer to come in and initiate the inspection that allows you to get time to get the people there Mm -hmm. okay like if it's if i'm a consultant and i'm two hours away and they're only going to give me an hour to get there obviously physically i'm not going to be able to do it go ahead and open it let them you know find out what the reason where they are give me a call we'll talk about it Mm -hmm. um and then as I'm in route, you can be providing the paperwork and mm-hmm. the stuff that they're going to ask for at and, the beginning anyway. Yeah, and, and there's there's some situations, like in the instance of, uh, say, it's a fatality or may, maybe a, an inpatient hospitalization that OSHA's mm-hmm. here to investigate. Fairly serious issue. Yeah, and situations like that, if, you know, and it could be a situation where, you're trying to get back to your facility because this just happened mm-hmm. and now OSHA's trying to get there and OSHA OSHA's kind of like look I I know that you need to get here but OSHA also has a timeline where we have to get this open within 24 hours so you know there's there's been situations where in order to accomplish that OSHA will do an opening via phone mm-hmm um, that's one of the rare instances where that where that's happened because OSHA is under such a tight deadline mm-hmm. to get this inspection open and say mm-hmm. like I will and just be like okay well the scene's secure we'll be here first thing in the morning when when you show up but like you know I've mm-hmm. had to do that a couple times in yeah. Scotts Bluff where mm-hmm. I yeah in you just Grand can't physically Island get and physically there. can't get there in time and it's yeah. like you call them up explain the situation go through your opening conference have them have the paperwork and stuff all ready for you when you get there mm-hmm. and you know advise them don't touch the scene don't you know mm-hmm. make sure everything's pristine and then I'll get there in yeah the morning, yeah don't so. tamper with the scene necessarily particularly for those investigations right. yeah. and we can differentiate an inspection some kind of pro- programmed activity from an investigation where you're responding to an incident of some right, sort right. and those are different approaches to the inspection activity truthfully um, I mean I there were as you mentioned this Ian I mean I'm not sure it's in writing. Maybe it is in writing that the OSHA compliance person is supposed to wait up to an hour while the employer assembles their team or makes their phone calls, initiates their inspection response, whatever that is. And there were times when I waited a little bit more, you know, simply because their their management person or their consultant was en route and it's going to be two hours and okay. Maybe there I can fiddle fart around for a little while, or maybe there's something I can do in the conference room. That, that's the thing too you know. about it. It's, it's just that that's it's all down to subjectivity, like like you said about what's a what's a denial. Because I'm not familiar anywhere where it's codified, you know, a certain amount of time. Mm-mm. Or I'm not it's just been written in the FOM. That's just OSHA's interpretation mm-hmm. of what just they what they believe is reasonable. So mm-hmm. I've never really heard of that come up in in a legal battle over. <laughs> I don't have any either, but I would recommend just speak to the compliance person. Exactly. Let them know yeah, what's exactly. going on. Yes. Let them know, Hey, we want to be cooperative, but 
you know, these circumstances are kind of a problem for us. So, Which, which lends the whole issue of if you're nice and cooperative with the compliance officer or with the OSHA staff, you're going to get more lean. I don't say leniency. You're going to get, they're going to negotiate with you. Yeah, they'll give you more. They're, they're reasonable people. They understand yeah. that, you know, your guy is in Minnesota and he's going to, he'll catch the next flight out, but he's, yeah. he's not going to be here, you know? So we, you can work with them as far as that goes. OSHA has parameters that they have to meet. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, they're willing to do, you know, things like, phone openings and stuff like that so they can absolutely in most cases i think they are reasonably cooperative if you are reasonably cooperative mm-hmm. and forthcoming you know i mean i i used to make inspections of a place called paxton mitchell which is a mm-hmm. foundry down mm-hmm. on martha street in omaha mm-hmm. every year they would come up on a list uh there was a a guy at that facility i think he was the son of the plant manager of the owner or something. He was a dick. And every time I'd show up, he would tell me to get a warrant. Like that was, you know, he, he was in this position of authority and he could tell me to piss off. And I can remember I did that about two years in a row. I would go down there. I would, you know, do the in- initial introduction. He'd say, get a warrant. I'd have to leave. And that third time we did the anticipatory, anticipatory warrant, warrant, you know, or where I could... You know, based on this history, I could establish that this was likely to happen. So the solicitors, we got a warrant beforehand. And when he said, get a warrant, I reached into my little metal clipboard and bam, there it was. And uh, I, I have to admit to certain satisfaction from that, you know, like we're doing it. But that was because of the history they had mm-hmm. established. There, there have been companies around the Omaha area yeah, and, was, and the state that have yeah. established that policy. And and it wasn't always out of uh, this no, animus. No, Sometimes no. it was just the company policy. Exactly. And you just require and, war. You know, you go through there, like, there's another company. It's a manufacturing company up in North Omaha that... Um, for whatever reason, they showed up on every single list. I mean, the initial and initial oh, every every <laughs> single list that was on. I mean, record keeping and, and, and machine guard, they showed and up forklift and grain, and I mean, just <laughs> they so, didn't even have grain exactly. But they, grain. but they would just show up on these lists, and after about the fourth year in a row that I showed up there, the guy's like, you know what? This is ridiculous. no, we're not doing this. Go get a warrant. And then that was the company policy for like three years in a row, right? And, and you, a warrant is truly... Tell them about the Sharps program at that point so <laughs> no. they can get off these lists. Well, a warrant truly is, is just a test of your probable cause, right? right? I mean, right. if you have to go to a, a magistrate and, and demonstrate that we do have probable cause to go in there, the magistrate's going to determine whether we do or not. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, I get that. You know, I mean, you wouldn't let... In most situations, you wouldn't let uh, law enforcement into your home without... Some probable cause. Uh, a warrant, perhaps. You know, I mean, so I get it. You know, I think most companies want to be cooperative, and most companies allow access to the to the site or the mm-hmm. facility. And in most situations, that's appropriate. But, I mean, I don't dismiss that there may be an occasion where a warrant might be appropriate. But my recommendation is just do a little negotiating first. Oh, yeah. Right? right. Explain things. Why? What's going on? Why? You don't have to. But... If you just say, piss off, you know, the resultant inspection, which is going to happen Mm -hmm. in all likelihood, won't go as well as if you just explain we have this situation. Maybe we would prefer you come back tomorrow if that's possible. 
And if you can get permission from your management team to return tomorrow without necessarily going through the warrant process, sometimes that's better. I was with another compliance officer, and we were being denied. And I love this phrase. He looked at the guy and said, we can do this my way the hard way. We can do this my way the easy way. But make no no doubt about it. It's going to happen. And it's going to be my way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's we can walk down that path and, you know, make us jump. Through. I used to love it. You know, go ahead, make me get a warrant. Yeah. That just it's means fine. I'm going to come back out. I'm going to get paid mileage to come back out. You <laughs> right. know, I got to um, go say hi to the judge. Exactly. Yeah, I get go to go downtown, down, go downtown for lunch and, and whatnot. And, and you know, I've, I've spent time today playing around with you. And guess what? I'm coming back in a week or whatever to play around with you again, you know? Um, So, I mean, it's, 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 to me, it was always just, there was just more time for that inspection, you know, which left me from doing other things. It's inevitable that it's going to take place. Right, right. You just kind of have to consider when you really want to go down that warrant path. And again, there are times when it's probably appropriate, but I wouldn't do it frivolously. I wouldn't no. recommend it doing it aggressively necessarily. One last question before we wrap up. And man, an hour goes by so quickly that it's almost a blink of an eye. But when you first started with OSHA, what surprised you about the agency? Maybe something that you hadn't expected or something that you know either positively or negatively surprised you perhaps? What about the agency was a surprise, Ian? I mean, probably a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, getting back to like my, my first week with with OSHA thing, I remember when I was in Wichita. Uh, you know, we the office was in some space that had been vacated by the IRS. So after coming from the private sector, you know, I was like, oh, you know, here's like some newer furniture it may not be brand new but it's still pretty nice and you know here's a here's a new laptop computer that works and then coming into the government world it's like i had to make my own cubicle space because that's where all the extra crap that got left behind like old (laughs) furniture half broken desks and just stuff that just honestly needed to be thrown away but nobody had called gsa to come and auction it all off right like, what do you mean we can't just throw this out? It's broken, you know. It's, there, 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 there was that. It's on an inventory somewhere that yeah, has to be accounted yeah, for. Yeah, there was that. And then um, the other surprising thing, now this is 2009, uh, and, and OSHA changed their computer stuff around 2014. But I just remember, um, here, here's your desktop computer. And, yes, like the operating system of the computer itself is Windows, but – Everything we do is in DOS. <laughs> I was like, I thought people stopped using DOS a decade ago. <laughs> right. like, not the federal government. Not the federal government. Oh, my God. That is funny, man. The, the, that inventory thing is hilarious because you could not throw no. anything away. It didn't matter if it was just junk and useless and yeah. taking up space. You could not throw it, it away. Because it had to be accounted for. Yeah. That's funny, man. What about you, Mikey? I think the, the DOS system was, was one that, I you know, you come in, you sit down, you, you Oh, the blue screen. Uh, the blue screen. And, you know, if you hit F6 
release, which was save. It was final, <laughs> and you could not change it after oh, that. Yeah. And they had to the go to the national office. office to get them to do it. And I'm like, so what was what? the? You had to save it like draft or something, right? Did yeah. You say, save final. It was a done. Deal. It was done. It was an act of Congress. It was exactly, change. exactly. And that was one that I was like, and I came in in '97, '98, and. Um, I I was the same it, it way. Was I'm still like, the same. Eleven I'm years like, later, when I'm I started, like, I'm like, what? This just doesn't make any sense. And it just it it just shocked me, you know, that the the supposedly the preeminent authority and safety. You had to go back in time to learn the operating system. So you know, software. But, but I mean, that that was kind of the the big thing that shocked me initially. And you know, yeah, the the. When you're when you're coming up through safety, everybody says OSHA, and everybody oh OSHA, oh, you know. And once you get in there, you realize there really isn't that much power with OSHA. Yeah, you know, not, I mean, there's true. Yeah. As, as as compared to the rumors, you know that that and and OSHA thrives off of some of these rumors. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the misunderstanding, the, 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 the fact that you know these are, are are this, and you're like, oh my god, I you know. And then you walk in and the, the, the denial of entry. I'm thinking mm-hmm. I can just kick in the door and, yeah. be, you know, and they're like, no, you need to go away. Yeah. So, I mean, that th- those were things that kind of. A little different. A little different. I, the, the, I, for me, I do remember going to a facility with Burmeister. Seth was one of my trainers and we went out to a facility out in Waterloo. I don't know if it was a complaint or a programmed inspection. It was nothing much, but. The employer went batshit crazy when Seth said, we're with OSHA, we're here to make an inspection. Guy, I don't know if he's having a bad day. Apparently he was having a bad day, but he lost his mind. Jumping up and down, screaming, F-bombing us and stuff. And I was literally in that flight or fight adrenaline (laughs) mode. I was just like looking around. I could feel, you know, tunnel vision, the whole, you know parasympathetic nervous system <laughs> shit going on. And I look over at Burmeister and he's like, yeah, that's <laughs> and I'm so like, low. what the fuck? You know, I mean, react. And then finally the guy calmed down, stopped screaming. And then Burmeister just kind of resumed his opening conference. Yeah. I, I was just blown away that he could endure that without. I, I'm, I was very shocked. And even to this day, I'm kind of shocked that they didn't, provide some sort of protection for the compliance officers. I've been out on a site where an individual was swinging a pitchfork at me, and all I had was a little tin <laughs> clipboard. A metal clipboard, You know, right. you're like, and, and and this guy's swinging pitchforks or throwing hammers or whatever. And all of that has happened to me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, if I had a sidearm, this would be a whole different world. <laughs> right. You know, but... Well. <laughs> I mean, even something, you know, there's a lot that have no business. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, it, it, it just, it, you know, they it send a, you, they send you out in too. the middle of nowhere, in Nebraska, and you're, you know, at a farm and you're knocking on some guy's yeah. door. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard stories from other compliance officers where the guy's reaching in the back of his truck for, you know, yeah. God he's, knows not, what. he's not getting his lunch. He's getting his, right. his he's shotgun. He's getting his safety there. data sheets. Exactly. You know? <laughs> or the shotgun. So, exactly. So, I mean, you know, it, it always shocked me that they would send somebody out on their own and yeah. females out on their yeah. own. Yeah. That, that you know? always worried me too, man. I don't, I don't want, that's a whole nother discussion, but I started in 1996 with 
two young ladies. I, I'd mm-hmm. been doing it for a while already, but Denny Hitzfeld and Gina Sims and I all started like within a week of each other. And they were both young and, and pretty women and uh, very capable, you know, very mm-hmm. knowledgeable, very capable. But I was probably at least 10 years, if not 20 years older than them at that point. And it just worried me when we would send them out to western Nebraska to go visit some freaking ranch. You know, yeah, something, you know, some radiator shop or yeah. something out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. That, that worried me a little bit, but that's a whole other story, man. Any. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? We are rolling up on our time. No. We can continue this. I mean, we got to the first question I had on my list. (laughs) So I've got another 100 to 200 questions, but I love the conversations. I love reliving the old memories a little bit. And I do think there are some insights that we can share with people that might make their experiences with OSHA a little better, hopefully Mm -hmm. a little bit more positive. Um, But... It goes on and on and on, man. And, uh, you know, there's a whole new staff in the office now. Yeah, A few is. old faces. You know, Thurlby and Kinnett and Nick Sr., the management team now. And, you no, know, he's nice. No, I'm not. Right I'm oh, sitting right here. Oh, you're, you're Kinnett. <laughs> Craig. Craig. Yeah, Craig. You guys are interchangeable, too. Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's not true. I think Darwin outweighs you by an easy 100 pounds at this point. Oh, at this but, point, yeah, probably. But, so some familiar faces, some new faces. Uh, but the basic inner workings of the agency will always remain the same, I would imagine. So, again, hopefully we can share some stuff that you might find interesting and you might learn from. This episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous, true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. Um, If you ever have questions about OSHA and you want me to bring it up for the OSHA insiders here, you can email me, Doug, at FletcherSafety.com, and I'd be happy to pose your question to these guys. Um, We do have some interesting opportunities coming up in the near future. Uh, Heard at Media is going to be – I don't know if this is – is this Secret Cam? We're going to be – Introducing an, or the company has a new studio for us that is going to allow for live streaming and audience interaction, and I think that'll be fantastic. That would be a great opportunity to come and ask these guys the questions that you have about OSHA. So we look forward to that opportunity. Other than that, um, keep doing what you're doing, fight the good fight. You know what we do on behalf of our employees is noble work, and so uh, if we can help you with any of that, let us know. Otherwise, have a great weekend. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later. See you. A Hoodat Media Production.